Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. The podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. There you go. My name's Micah Macaw. My name's Jordan Macaw. And uh, we are tackling X-Men, finally. We, are bar- we barely have our feet wet. Yeah, we we haven't even gone into... Uh, we're not even a third of the way done with this series. No. We're, we're close to a fourth of the way done, but we're not quite there yet. And uh, today we're rounding out like the original, the original attempt at X-Men. And um, this is also, I can tell that our dog is going to be nutso on this episode. So be on the lookout for that. If you hear any mic nudges, it's, That'd be Gilmore. Or if you hear any squeaking toys. <laughs> That'd be Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, he's going a little nuts right now, even though he got back from a walk not that long ago. Anyway, uh, yeah, so this rounds out the end of the original X-Men trilogy. And then from here on out, it is going to be convoluted central. It's going to be a lot of, wait, that didn't actually happen, or maybe it did, or it's a prequel, but it doesn't really line up, or it's another time zone or something. And I have actually not, th- th- we're going to start getting into a zone soon where I'm not really sure all the movies that I've seen. Well, no, I know the movies I haven't seen, but there's a lot I haven't seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, what do you think of X, What what was this your first time? Well, it turned out to be my first time. I thought I had seen this movie. Oh, I should say it's X-Men The Last Stand we're talking about. I yes. didn't mention that. Very quickly into it, I thought, this isn't familiar. I don't remember Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> and then I also didn't remember Elliot Page. And I said, I, I thought I saw him at like for a moment. Uh-huh. And I was like, if this is, if, if Elliot Page is in this movie, I've not seen this movie. Uh-huh. And he is. So yeah, I've not seen this movie. Yep. But boy, diggity dog. <laughs> I liked this movie. Yeah. This was the best one so far. And based on what I've heard might be my favorite. Which I, you have told me, comic book person, more plugged into the cultural zeitgeist of these things, is an outlier opinion. Yeah, this is, you know, around this time also Spider-Man 3 came out, I think in like 2007, I want to say, so like a year after this. Uh, and so this was people being like, wow, three great trilogies that really whiffed the last movie, like hardcore. Yeah. And and yeah, people people really dislike this movie. Like this is definitely like a bottom tier X Men movie for most people. Yeah. So I, I think what has helped me in the, this viewing. Yeah. In, in a way, it could help me with a lot of these things. Is I've never read an X Men comic, and I did uh-huh. not grow up watching these movies. So I think that can only help me at this point. Because I'm not going in with any preconceived notions other than it feels like I just, anytime a new one comes out, people hate it. That's like all I feel that I hear. Yeah. 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 They're, they're an interesting bag of movies. I'm, I mean, now that we're a little bit past the more recent entries, I am kind of excited to watch them just to see like what the heck they tried to do. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. You know, this movie is the first of two times that they try to adapt one of the most famous comic book storylines ever written. And when was it written? In the 80s, I believe. Okay. Uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga. And 
uh, this is a very unpopular opinion, but I have read the Dark Phoenix Saga, and there's there's a lot of good in it. Like, it's definitely good, but to me, and this is personal, if you love it, I get it. It just did not, it never, like, transcended to that moment. You know, you know when you're reading a classic book, and you start reading mm-hmm. it, and you're like, okay, whatever, and then there's usually a moment where you go, oh, yeah, this is a classic book for a reason. So what's a comic book storyline that's transcendent to you? Well, I would say I'd I'd heard a lot about Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah. And when I started reading it, I was like, "Oh, this is really good. This is really good." And then and then when you get to the end of his run, um and it's um Reborn, Daredevil Reborn, uh holy cow. Uh it is it is like, yeah, this is like some of the best comics I've ever read. Cool. Um, and and you just know you're like yeah this is a classic for a reason this is always gonna stand up like stand the test of time. Have they done this storyline in any of the Daredevil stuff we've had? They are coming out with the show Daredevil Reborn. Okay. And I I actually think the comic's so good that I'm not gonna watch the show. Oh wow, it's sacred. I just think there's no way for them to do it. And especially with his appearance in She Hulk, I'm like, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. They're not gonna be able to pull it off. And they said it's gonna be twenty one episodes. Huh? Is it twenty one episodes like an hour long each? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. And Oof. I just I would have to yeah, it's just not worth even watching, in my opinion. For me, because I thought the comic was so good. Yeah. It, it would be I feel like it'd be like the feeling I felt when I was sitting there watching Desolation of Smog. Yeah. For the first time and I was like, Oh, this is so bad and the book is so good that I, I I'm like so angry that I'm watching it. Yeah. So I am not gonna watch that show. Okay. Um Who wrote the Dark Phoenix run? Chris Claremont, okay. who is kind of like the X-Men guy. Okay. People love him. I, I'm actually not a huge fan of his writing. Um, I think he's a little all over the place, and I think in his comic book uh, run, because I've read probably about 100 issues that he's written, maybe a little less, uh, he has a tendency, in my opinion, to do stuff like the comics going along, and then... Someone just thinks something to the fe- the effect of like, oh yeah, this person is uh, not impervious to water, so let's do a water attack. But he never like set that up, and you never oh. knew that yep. information until yep. someone said it. So yep. I didn't find a lot of tension. But he has like some undeniable great mm-hmm. stories, and uh, there's one, uh, Days of Future Past, which is a movie title as well, and it's like two issues unbelievable okay that's pretty transcendent i like that more than the dark phoenix saga okay but but dark phoenix saga is like one of the biggest ones so i'm presenting this to you the listener in case you didn't know because this movie adapts that now it adapts it vastly different it is so different the the basically what we have in common is gene gray dies and she's reborn as something more powerful that's like all that's in common okay um, have you seen the newest one? No. It? Uh, okay, so you don't know how I different it might be. That one looks like it's more, like they're more trying to do what the comics did. Yeah. Uh, I think people like that movie less than this movie. So really. And here's the kicker: 
the writer of this movie, one of the writers, is the director and writer of that movie. Whoa, he got a second try. <laughs> so, and it's his directorial debut. Oh my gosh, that really sucks for him. Yeah. So, all of that to say, I really think that one of the reasons people dislike this so much is because they love Dark Phoenix so much. Yeah, that makes sense. That they can't see it for what it is. So, let me talk about it from a non-Dark yeah. Phoenix fan perspective. <coughs> the first two movies are good. Um, you second one's great. Really think the second one's great. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's great only because Nightcrawler's in it. Um, and that is my biggest issue with this movie is that there's no Nightcrawler in it. Yeah. And there's no mention of Nightcrawler. And it's probably because Alan Cummings didn't want to work in this kind of environment again. And I can respect that. But big downside I'll, to this I movie. will let you know why he wasn't in the okay. movie in a little bit. But um, that all that tossed aside, I, I feel like the first two movies were all over the place, <laughs> kind of like how you're describing the comics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, there's like a main thing going on. And the like I, people's motivations are clear and stuff. But I, I just felt myself at times being like, but what are they doing? Yeah. That I felt that a lot in the first two movies. And this movie was so streamlined. And I felt way more invested in how everyone was affected by anything. It's a hot take, folks. It, it really, it truly is just a classic, like, like, just, I don't know the right word to use classic. It's just a classically better made movie than the first two. It is just a yeah. better movie. I don't agree with you. That's crazy uh, to me. I don't agree with you in terms of, I, I do think that the second movie is is much better than this movie. But I, but here's here's my hot take, is I think this movie's really good. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's actually a little confusing to me how much people don't like this movie, because I I think it's pretty decent, and I think that the way they adapted the Phoenix storyline made sense for the world that they created. Yeah. But I do think there's a couple of things I would I would two come to mind that really hurt this movie. One being immensely. Kelsey Grammer. No, he's actually <laughs> okay in the movie. No, the the two are that Cyclops unceremoniously dies and yeah, is removed from the I movie for. I mean, do you no know what they reason. probably thought though? Well, one, I'm curious. Still, I is, know why. <laughs> okay, cool. But um, I I am curious before you tell me why. But it's like, well, no one missed him in the second movie, so why would we need give him this big death scene in the third one? Because yeah. he was not. He was barely in the second movie. Yeah, and then. Right. Yes. Yes. But that then, was a joke. In, huh? It was a joke. I know. I know. I just didn't. I didn't really. You didn't think it was funny. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the second thing is um the yeah the lack of Nightcrawler and there's like no mention, no nothing. There's no nothing. No respect. Guy gets no yeah. respect. And I just think those two things like really hurt this movie. Yeah. I like a lot. You trade one blue guy out for another one. No good. Yeah, Not good but enough. we're gonna explain why. Okay. Um, but yeah, I so when I I saw this movie when I was a kid, all, all three of these movies I've just seen one time. This was my second time seeing them, about you know, uh, uh, fifteen years after I'd seen them first, uh, ish. And um, yeah, I liked it then, but by at then I was not on the internet as much because it was still I was you know not on it as much, uh, and. And I didn't know that people didn't like the third movie. Oh. And so I was just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then I watched it again, and I've seen videos and all that stuff and people talking. And, you know, it's always kind of like, 
we all know X-Men The Last Stand sucks. Now let's keep talking about this wow. story, you know, or whatever. It's just, I just really like, because the second movie does this too, and this is what I like about the second movie, where Magneto is forced to help. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really happen in the third movie, but he's forced to help. But in the end, it's to serve what he wants. Yeah. So he, it's not changed. And no, no one thought for a second he was. And then in this movie... You know, he continues to be the bad guy. I think it's cool that we have this big bad guy in three movies. Oh, I love that. I, I love so that. so cool. Um, but I mean, Magneto's one of the great villains. It, it would be such a shame to kill him and he off. Is, he's just like, to me, a, a kind of a classic villain of like, I don't disagree with him. I disagree with how he's doing it. but I don't. Which disagree. is perfect. That's yeah. what you want. But I don't disagree with like the why. Yeah. Um, so in this movie, it's the same stuff. Yeah, but it, I I I don't like. I, I guess I'm just more in, even more invested than the other two movies in it. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I I mean, you're talking to the one other person that also likes this movie. Yeah. So you saying you like it more than X two? I'm like, okay. You know, I I don't think that that's a weird opinion, uh, but the world does. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do think. I, I think the story is much stronger in the second movie as well. All of the all of the Wolverine and Striker stuff and You see, I just thought that that was all so meandering. Yeah. And, and not it, well done. That I hope in like the origins or whatever it is that it's like they figured it out by oh, then. No, no, no. Yeah, but they haven't. No. But you that that's my hope you know, my hope would be like they half asked this in the second movie, in my opinion. Because there's so many players. They can't like fully yeah. get into anything. So <coughs> that that's a tough thing with just ensemble casts. Yeah. But and, and this movie I I've done it really felt like everyone got their due. Yeah. More than the second movie. Well, we're gonna get into it because yeah. It's uh we are the the random people, the only people that like this movie. <laughs> and Gilmore. Yeah. Now, um, this is the first time that a movie is not directed by super creep uh, Brian Singer. It's directed by um, former, or uh, uh, what is it called? Colleague super creep Brett Ratner, who we talked about in our Red Dragon episode. Um, yeah, uh, was hoping not to talk about him again, but uh, we had to. And uh, if we ever cover Rush Hour, we'll have to talk about him again. Man, how many of those movies? I believe all three. Whoa. Okay. But yeah, real bad dude. Uh, <laughs> the movie is written by Simon Kinberg, who uh, wrote Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix and directed it. And he also did Sherlock Holmes, the guy. Robert Downey Jr. movie. Oh, he's doing pretty okay. Uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, this the, means war. Oh, this means war. Okay. He wrote that. Uh, and then one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, Fantastic Four 2015. Oh, okay. Now I'm podcast. back to pitying this person. <laughs> Those are just a couple. He has a lot of writing yeah. credits. Um, we got Zach Penn returning to write as well. The cinematography is by Dante Spinotti, who did Red Dragon. Uh, the music is by John Powell, who did Face. Oh, I also thought this movie looked way better than the other two. Huh, okay. It looked way better. I Yeah, I, again, I think X2 is looks better. That's but, wild to me. Yeah. You're crazy. I well, I luckily the entire internet is on my side. So, <laughs> uh, the music is by John Powell, who did Face Off, Born Identity, Kung Fu Panda, and most recently in Kanto. Uh, Wait, who is this? John Powell, the music. Cool. 
Uh, it comes out May 26, 2006. Six, uh, $210 million budget. It makes 234 domestically, and yes. it makes 460 worldwide. Not great compared to the other two, right? I don't remember. Okay. Um, I think the the world is about the same, but I think the domestic actually I think the domestic's about the same, but oh. the budget's way higher. Oh, okay, that's yeah. what gets you. Yeah. Um. So Singer leaves so that he can work on Superman Returns. He didn't have like quite the vision or the like a idea for X Men Three, so he didn't even try to stay on. Um. And it goes through a slew of potential directors. Um. But they eventually sign on Matthew Vaughn, who I believe directs X-Men First Class and is the the Secret Service director. The, um, what is that called? Secret Service The Kingsman director. movies. Oh, okay. Um, and he's the one who cast Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Okay. You got um, notes on that? No. <laughs> That's, That's all I got. Weird. Um, but then uh, he would have had to move to L.A. and uproot his family and bring him to L.A. Where is he from? Who I don't is know. this? Oh, the director. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and it would have ta- it would have been like at least a year of their life, and he didn't want to like do that mm. with his family, so um, he didn't make the movie. Mm. And uh, so then they sign on Brett Radner. Uh, the writers. So apparently the writers had to fight for Fox executives to retain the Phoenix plot as the studio only wanted the cure story as it provided a reason for Magneto's conflict with the X-Men. Still, the disputes made them not add much for Jean Grey to do in most of the film's second half as the executives considered the tone of the Phoenix story too dark for a mainstream summer movie. Oh, that's such a bad decision. Yeah, and that its appeal would be limited to hardcore fans. No, that's that's so that's such a bad decision. Yeah. If it's one of the best comics of all time, then the world will like it. You know. I know. I know. That's so dumb. And it was funny when I was reading that, I I did realize, which is a, a knock against another knock against this movie. Um, I, I just didn't even realize it when we were watching it, but after reading that, I'm like, oh yeah, she doesn't really do anything until the last like two minutes of the movie. It's true. She doesn't. Um, so in that yeah, way, that's like disrespecting for disrespecting comic books <laughs> to, to assume that people won't like it. It's like saying, yeah, we know that comic books, comic books at this point have proven to make a lot of money, but we're still not buying that they can make a lot of money. Yeah. That's so lame. Yeah. And I, I guess that's another knock on the way they adapted that story. Yeah. You know, if you're going to adapt, one that's of a the pretty biggest, big deal. And then you don't, you kind of leave them out to dry. Yeah. Uh, but um, here is one of the reasons why Cyclops wasn't in this movie much. Okay. Uh, first of all, Marsden had limited availability as he was cast in Superman Returns. Oh, I didn't know that. So they were like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you know, not have him as much in this movie." But one of the reasons Simon Kinberg said Cyclops isn't good for the audience is. Quote, with Cyclops, you can't see his eyes. It's a oh. harder character to, to relate to relate to for the audience. Get out of here. Get Stop doing your job because you're not good at it. I think that's so stupid. That's one of the dumbest things ever. Because he's, uh, when I read X-Men, Cyclops is actually one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. He's awesome. And, and I kind of, I, I like that he is, he's always so sure of himself, but he's often wrong. Oh, interesting. And he he's usually leads the X Men and oh. stuff. Um, 
I shouldn't say often wrong, but he's he's, he's proven wrong. Real overconfident. Yeah, and he but he's always like, I know what to do. Let's do it. And I just think he's a great character. And I I don't think you have to see his eyes to get what he's going through. No, especially because he's like been crying and stuff in the other movies, and you get it. Yeah. That is such a waste. <laughs> I know. Do you know that you have James Marsden? That's a big deal. I know. Um, simultaneously, the studio is working on X-Men Origins, which we're going to get into next week. Um, and then here we go. Nightcrawler. Why wasn't he in the movie? He was pretty reluctant to sign on again with all the crap he had to go through with the makeup. Yes. And the script didn't have a lot for him to do. So, okay, yeah. So the studio was just like, let's just cut him. It's going to cost too much money to do all this makeup. We already have Mystique. Yeah, but he he was willing to do it. Okay. He, he would have done it if they wanted him to do it, but, but they were like, it's like not... make it worth it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Interesting. And then this was the most expensive movie until Dead Man's Chest came out the same year. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and then in February of 2006, Ratner announced that it was the final X-Men movie. Yeah. So the, it, was, it was intended. While simultaneously working on an Origins movie? Well, he meant like the final X-Men movie because that was going to oh, be a Wolverine, a Wolverine movie. movie. So, and, and I guess there was some stuff where like since the studio was working on X-Men Origins, they were like, you can use this character, but you can't use this character and stuff like that. So it sounds like maybe there were some disagreements there. I think... Uh, but, one reason I liked this movie too, I didn't know that this was a finale to a trilogy. Okay. Um. So when certain events happened, it was shocking to me because it's like, yeah. Basically, when Professor X died, it was like, oh, there are stakes. I mean, at first, the first thing I think of is like, he'll be back. Yeah. It's a, like they'll, they're never really dead, but at the same time, it's like, oh, geez, we're like halfway through the movie and they did this. Yeah. When this movie ended, Jordan was basically like, wait how were there other movies? And yeah. I, I had to explain to the best of my knowledge, as I hasn't, haven't seen the rest of them, not well, I've seen some of them, but not all of them. What I believed the rest of the movies did and were about. Which I'm not looking forward to. Figuring <laughs> out. <laughs> I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But yeah, we, so we finished like series one proper. And then Wolverine is like the epilogue, I guess you could say until they, they restart the series anew in 2011 interesting yeah so okay that's what i got on notes so getting into actors we have covered kelsey Grammer because of toy story what is he in toy story 3 isn't he the bear no no no. he's the he's the the guy in toy story 2 is he the prospector yes oh let's can you double check that for me yeah i will double check that but yeah he's in toy story um and we've also covered elliot page because of Wait. What would we have, have we done? covered? No. <laughs> I think I'm blinking. I think I thought of Inception, which made me think of Batman. Which yeah, he is think. the prospector. Okay. Nah, no, good so call. No, we haven't covered Elliot Page. Whoops. No. Okay. <laughs> Elliot Page is in one of my favorite movies that I watch at least once a year. Juno. Once a year. Once a year. Juno. Man, I love that movie. Good movie. Gets me every time. Um, also in Inception, Hard Candy. Um... Umbrella, the Umbrella Academy. Academy and a, a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. And a million other things. And it continues to be in X-Men movies from here on out. More, no. more or less. What? No. This that's is the one it. and only? That's it. Oh, I thought that. Like, okay. 
Because <laughs> well, anything. see, and this is this is to to give you so Wolverine. Here's here's what has confused me about the series too is like Wolverine. You have a cup, a little bit of crossover of of characters like like Ryan Reynolds is in it, and then he's gonna play yeah, in the like future. Deadpool. Ten years later, whatever. yeah. Um, but then when they do the X Men First Class, it's a prequel, so okay, the characters are younger. But then it's like later they adapt Dark Phoenix, so that would mean that it's got to be a different storyline or something. And then, like, but Wolverine is in those movies as Hugh Jackman, so that's where it starts getting really confusing and yeah, convoluted. Yeah, you're explaining something me. that I wasn't going for. Oh, I just thought oh. that Elliot Page was in more X Men movies. Yeah, but but I mean, like, this is like these actors are done. Yeah, but I but I think. I mean, Hugh Jackman is definitely in more. I don't think Ian McKellen is in anymore, but I. Whoa. But I think, I mean, Charles Xavier. I mean, um, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. He. I know he's in Logan, but I think he's also in a couple of the other ones. Hmm. So they kind of just pick and choose who they want to play again. Whoever needs the money. Um, Vinny <laughs> Jones plays Juggernaut. He is in Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, The Midnight Meat Train. And more. I don't. I don't think he's good in this. And uh, I. It's whatever. He's the muscle. This. This. This is one of my complaints as well. I think this is a very bad adaptation of Juggernaut. Yeah. When I look, because you said that his appearance was poor, so I looked up yeah. the comic book version, and yeah, the comic book version is so much cooler. Yeah, and I. I think Juggernaut is a very cool villain, and uh, I do not think they remotely do him justice in this movie. Hmm. And I don't remember them doing much justice to him in Deadpool 2 as well. He's in Deadpool 2? He is. Who and plays I, him? I knew you were going to have that reaction. What? Who plays him? Uh, I don't know. He's like a CGI blob and also looks bad. What? But he looks more like the comic. They, like, stretch out his face and stuff and oh. make him look like the comic. Okay. <laughs> ben Foster is in this movie to look pretty. Yeah. He's also in Hell or High Water, 310 to Yuma, The Messenger, Leave No Trace. Yeah, that... Emancipation... So on and so forth. What do you think about Ben Foster? I Like I said, while we were watching it, I recognize who that is. Didn't know what his name was. And I don't know if I've actually seen him in like many things at all. Oh, okay. What do you think of Ben Foster? I've, I've definitely really, really liked him. But I'm starting to think maybe I don't like him that much. Okay. I, I kind of feel like he's maybe one of those guys that just takes it all a little too seriously. Oh, including and, and, this movie? Because he's not given much to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's young and whatnot. Um, you know, what else is he gonna do with this performance? But I, yeah. But uh, but he was in the hustle this year with Adam Sandler, and he was he was good in that. He's always really good, but sometimes it's like, dude, cool it. We get you're an actor. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to take this so seriously. It's kind of how it feels sometimes. Okay. But he is good. I don't know. That's all on you, man. I, I'd love to hear your Ben Foster opinions. Those listening. Um. Okay, and then these other Dania Ramirez plays Callisto. Is that the fast girl? Probably. I think so. Um, she's also in Premium Rush. Uh, American. She's got to be fast in that too, right? American Reunion, which is an American Pie thing. Heroes. The ch- show. Yeah, Heroes? the show Heroes. Okay. Sweet Tooth. Jumanji. The new Jumanji. The second Jumanji. The next level. Okay. And other Once Upon a Time. Okay. Um, Shoray Adashlo, Adashlo plays Dr. Kavita Rao. Um, that was just the lady doctor. 
who was who was studying the child. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I couldn't place her, although like she's so recognizable to me. Yeah. Um, she's in twenty four. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Which I think is what I'm thinking That's of. That's what I'm thinking of for sure. She's also in Star Trek Beyond, but I don't think I've seen that one. You haven't. Okay. <laughs> um, th- this is a very weird opinion, maybe, or just a weird thing, but she was very distracting to me during this movie. Really? I was not convinced of, in any moment of her acting. Really? Okay. I think that she, I felt like she was just saying lines. Okay. I, I didn't clock that. But she wasn't in a lot. To like probably really say anything, so sorry. <laughs> hey, then, sometimes someone who's got a bit part doesn't pull it off, you know. <laughs> and then Cameron Bright plays Jimmy or Leech, which is the kid, the little kid. Okay, he is in Thank You for Smoking, Birth, Godsend, Running Scared, and I still have not found the thing that I recognize this kid from. Okay, but that's what he's in. Oh, okay. He's in Twilight Breaking Dawn. There it be. He's in, uh, he's in the he's in the Voltaire. Ah, yes. Okay. That's what I recognize. Him from. A good reminder to listen to our critically acclaimed series on Twilight from two or three years ago. By now, it was a fun time. It really was. I am now eternally kind of love that series, even though they're all bad. I would I would rewatch pretty much any of them besides Eclipse. I would rewatch them as well. I mean, I wouldn't like be like, let's rewatch them. But like if we were at someone's house and they were watching it, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch mm-hmm. this. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're just such a perfect time capsule of the early teens. Oh, yeah. And, the, and they're very It's like, nostalgic. can't wait for my kids to see these movies. Yeah. but Feel the angst. Uh, that is the cast and the notes of the movie. Should we jump in? Let's do it. Okay. So the movie begins... And uh, we get the Marvel logo. It's back when they used to do the flipping pages, which I like it. I like those more. Classic. And Retro. Uh, this flipping page is all X-Men panels, which is fun. And then <laughs> we are 20 years. In, what are, does it say what year it is? 20. Oh, my gosh. I, 20 I, years in the past? 20 years ago is what it says. 20 years ago. Yes. Um, we see... A nice little suburban neighborhood. Car yeah. pulls up. Man gets out. Uh-huh. And then the camera trails up his long legs, long torso, long arms. Big reveal. No wheelchair. No wheelchair. It's Charles and Xavier. Strange looking Charles Xavier. Not strange because he looks young. Strange because we're in 2006 and we are witnessing the first uses of de-aging. The first time it's used in a movie. And folks, if if I could close one Pandora's box in, in history, I think it'd be de-aging. I have harped on it many, many times. Fortunately, I think people are starting to come around to using new actors again uh, when they recast stuff. But at the same time, we have an Indiana Jones movie that for no reason at all has de-aging in it. In a series where they have already had another actor play Micah, young Indiana it's Jones. because we can. Yes, and we never stopped to ask if if we should. We just did. It's a classic Jurassic Park uh, question. Yeah. And uh, it's it's also doesn't make sense because you said they could have just put hair on him and it would make him look, you know, 20 years younger. Yeah. Also, they, they're they obvious. I don't know. So also Ian McKellen gets out of the car. 
He's DH. And he's DH, too. And they just look a little weird. Um, Very I, I Barbie dolly ish. For 2006, if you told me that this movie used DHing in 2006 prior to me seeing it, I would have expected worse. So I will give the movie that. I'm not saying they should have done yeah. it, but I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but also, people underestimate the power of a little bit of makeup to hide up some wrinkles. I know. Because I know. wrinkles are, are what make people look old. Yeah. Just get rid. Just use a little bit of makeup on some of them. It's it's crazy. They don't look that much younger. And you know what? I am actually realizing that already the the prequel of of X Men First Class doesn't make sense because of this scene. Really? Yes, because it says this happened 20 years ago, which would mean it'd be in the 80s, be 1986. Well, how would we know, though? Because this is 20 years in the past, uh-huh. and then we go to 10 years in the past. Yeah. And then we go to a not-too-distant future. So 20 years in the past from what? From a not-too-distant future or from today? Yeah. That's, that's what I'd that's like That's a good point. But, but so it, what are they doing well, in, in X-Men, <laughs> oh man, it's going to be tough to get through that movie. First class, uh, he gets paralyzed in that movie during the Cuban Missile Crisis, which oh. Magneto is like doing. Oh, so that's complicated. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense because this is in the 80s and whatnot. So let me let me just confirm here because we're we're on a podcast. We're talking about... The nitty gritty. So I want to confirm. X Men: The Last Stand. When do they go to Jean Grey's? In the eighties? I don't think that's a good way to word this question. Yeah, you're not getting a result. Plot in 1986. Charles Xavier okay. and Eric. Yeah. So already the X Men First Class as a prequel uh, doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Cool. So twenty years in the past from us. From yeah. 2006. Yeah. So they go into the home. They've been invited to this home by these parents who are concerned about their daughter because she's exhibiting some abnor- abnormalities and they claim they can help her. Uh-huh. We've heard this song and dance before. <coughs> and then and then they proceed to say, can we talk to your daughter alone? We're just we're just And the parents are like, older, oh, I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, unassuming men. Don't worry about us. <laughs> so the parents leave and the girl comes in and we're all supposed to be... Parents everywhere are squirming in their seats. <laughs> Maybe not in 2006. I don't know. No, you are. You are. Um, but super creep Brett Ratner doesn't think that that's weird. Well, of course not. And uh, so then they're like, we know you have extraordinary abilities, Gene. And then she lifts all the cars in the block. Oh, I thought Professor X was doing that. No, she does it. Oh, okay. Maybe at first I thought she, he was doing it. Yeah, to, and then... And then uh, she drops it, and they're they're both like, "Holy cow!" So I was terrified for the man who was mowing his lawn and his mow lawn, <laughs> lawn mower. Yeah, went up to the air running. I would be running away from that lawn mower. Yeah, not good. So that happens, and we see that's how they recruited her. And it's fun to see that they used to work together on the recruitments. Yes, I liked that. Yeah, uh, and then it goes ten years ago, and we see the scene that I remember this movie opening with. I mean, I think you could still call it opening, but I, you mean yeah. like literally the first shot. Yeah, I thought that this was the first shot. And it is a young angel as he is cutting off his wings and like trying to grind Crazy, them off. Crazy, yo. This is, this is gnarly. I love this. Me too. I, I think it's this so the, like... The kid is scared of who he is. Yeah, this is like classic X-Men kind of... Yeah. How, how, what I like when the comics dig into this stuff, I am like, yeah, baby, baby. I'm into this. Yeah. So 
not only probably scared, but ashamed because of who his dad is. Right. And so his dad like walks in on him and he's been like cutting off his wings and we see feathers everywhere. And, and it's clear that this like just happened. Like he hasn't had these wings. It's like they just started sprouting. Oh, for some reason, I just thought maybe this is something he's done before. Not before, but like. No, because I uh, yeah okay. A okay. lot of the X, I think the thing with the X Men is they develop their genes later. They're not born with their genes. Oh, really? Or I mean, they are, but but they. Uh, but but they don't exhibit it. Then. It's like it's like also kind of like a metaphor for going through at puberty. Oh, okay. I I think anyway. That's that that's what sense. I'm remembering. Yeah. Um. So anyway, but I, I think there are children in in later. X-Men but maybe they got things. it earlier. Yeah. But it's like your your gene like flips, you know, one day or something like oh, that. Why did they use that in the narration at the beginning of the first two movies? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, because you 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 think about someone like Rogue, and she couldn't have like lived if she was killing anyone that she ever touched. So that was the first time that happened to her. So I think the implication is the first time it happened to her was when we saw it at the beginning of that. For some movie. reason, I never thought that, which makes so much sense. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Why she was freaking out? <laughs> right, right. Um, and then it says the not too distant future. And we see like, like a Terminator opening, you know, like just a, a destroyed world. Yeah. And we're seeing the gang. We're getting reintroduced to them. They do a classic, classic couple of X-Men things. I got to point out one Wolverine's got a sweet old cigar and he is just worried about lighting it. So he's like lighting it on fire that's burning somewhere else. And then he asked Colossus to throw him. Oh, is that an X-Men thing? Oh yeah, baby. And that's always awesome. And it always takes up a lot of panels and it looks great. Yeah. So he throws him and he cuts off the head of a sent- sentinel and that comes flying down. It's a sentinel. Yeah. That's what they're called. Isn't that in like Eternals? No, those oh. are celestials. Okay. And well, you can't roll your eyes. They all have to have different names. Come on. I just didn't know that they. I thought they were just fighting a transformer. No, this is a sentinel. These are <laughs> these are very. Uh, are they alien beings? No, no. What are they're, they? They're created to uh, to stop mutants. By who? I believe the government does it. Wow. I think. Interesting. I could be wrong on that though. So. And I, I think, you know, different people throughout different runs have done different things with them. But then we find out that this is a simulation. Yes. So Storm, X-Man, meaning Wolverine in my brain. <laughs> Colossus, Iceman, Kitty Pride. Does she have an X-Men name? Uh, uh, I th- I, no, we'll call her Kitty Pride. I don't remember. Lame if she doesn't. Um, and then Rogue are in the simulation training. Yeah. And Storm gets mad at Wolverine for not being a team player because they're trying yeah. to teach teamwork. Yeah. And I, I do want to point out the last two movies they have tried to. Shadowcat. Okay, that doesn't stick. <laughs> that doesn't I, I think for the most part, Kitty Pride is just called Kitty Pride because they they try other names and it just never really oh, works. Interesting. So they just stick to Kitty Pride. Okay. For the most part. Sucks for her. Yeah. But yeah. But I don't know. She so doesn't things, seem like like the only cat in her is her name. Yeah. Not what she does. So and she shadow goes through cats, walls. I don't think that makes her a shadow. She should be like the ghost or something. Yeah. Like that's bad too. So that's, I don't think that name works for her. So this is what we learned right off the bat. Oh, uh, wait, wait. 
Should everybody shut up except me. <laughs> They've been uh so the last two movies they were like we have to have the danger room and we have to have sentinels, and then they had to cut both scenes for um both both of those things for budgetary reasons. And this is the first movie that has both. Oh, and in this we scene. barely get it, but yep. cool. Good job, studio. Way to finally give them what they wanted and take <laughs> away a lot of other things. So things we learn right off the bat. Wolverine and Storm are button heads in this movie. There's yeah. been a lot of change that's happening. Button happened. heads and button butts. Well, they ain't button butts. They're just button heads. Um, there's just she they're they're great uh foils for each other because she Wolverine is part of the team, he's part of the family, but he's also Wolverine. He's a loner. He's a loner. He, yeah. he doesn't work well with teamwork. While Storm is trying to inspire everyone to do teamwork. Yeah. Because that's what X-Men are for a right. team. And that kind of follows that that theme and relationship follows through the movie for them. Yeah. And then then we are introduced to Rogue and Iceman are still together. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that they're the lack of physical touch, that that barrier between them yeah. is only getting bigger. Uh-huh. And Kitty Pride is I th- this is not true, but I want to say worming her way in. <laughs> <laughs> she's just she's becoming friends. More with yeah. Iceman than with Rogue. Yes. But th- throughout the movie, we see that he, obviously that is a big barrier. I think he still likes Rogue, but he is struggling with like, that is something that he, like that a relationship needs. Yeah. I think they do it well. I think they do their part of it well. I think another like little knock I would do is that they kind of just leave Kitty Pride at the end of the movie and don't, they don't really end or start like they kind of start stuff mentioning that you know she's like missing home and stuff like that and uh and then she's just kind of like good done at the end of the movie yeah i know she because she's not there's no like she's never malicious or anything in what she's doing she's truly just like i'm connecting with this person yeah and obviously she has a crush on him but she never does anything about it right um gilmore gilmore's becoming an x-man yeah he's he's hitting stuff here he goes again Oh man. But um Yeah, so it, like if if she was actually trying to like weasel her way into this relationship, then it would make sense to just throw her away by the end of the movie cuz yeah. there are things figured out but since she's not it's like oh it kind of sucks for her. Yeah, well it kind of feels like how it feels like oh in X-Men 4 Kitty Pride's going to be a really prominent player. Yes. But they don't make an X-Men 4. No. So it doesn't happen. Whatever. Um Wolverine's hair is a little bit less crazy. A little bit less. We're tracking the Wolverine hair progress. Yeah. But it's still pretty there. Yeah. Um, and then and then we have the most shocking casting of all time. I mean, we have Kelsey Grammer, Frasier himself, as Beast. Now, I believe we talked about this last episode, but I'm just going to go over it again. He is notoriously, like, not the best person to work with. He, I think he seems quite entitled. Um, although That's the we, word on the street. We did meet someone who had worked with him on The Simpsons. Yeah. And he said that he was lovely to work with for The Simpsons. So, Oh, I don't remember that. But Yeah. Okay, cool. It was always a lovely time when he came in to be Sideshow Bob. So, um, but, you know, it seems like a, a guy who knows his value and he is willing to be a little mean about it is is what it seems like 
And uh, imagining that this man would be willing to sit in makeup for heavy, probably three to five makeup. hours a day. At least, right? And, and I thought he was in two scenes. He is in this movie a yeah, lot. He plays an important part in this movie. He's like the fourth lead of this movie. Yeah. And I... I, it is hilarious to watch. I actually, I think he's good in the movie. I do think he's good too. But it's hilarious to think that he is like, he that that he is okay with this. Kelsey Grammer to me. So I I've never watched Frasier. I actually can't imagine that man being in a sitcom. Yeah. Because the way that he sounds, <laughs> you know, he has such a distinct voice. Yeah. That he is just he is like the, the like remnants of old Hollywood. Yeah. So I, I I just can't imagine him in certain ways. That includes an X Men movie. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me in terms of like because you explained to me that the Beast character is studious, quite, and <laughs> is not like he's not. Yeah, he looks like a beast, but he's like assimilated into normal society, working for the government. He's mutant relations man. Yeah. Um. He's not really interested in violence or so fighting. That, that side of it, it's like that makes sense to cast someone like Kelsey Grammer, but he's got a blue face and hair all yeah. over his face. Uh -huh. That's strange. But I do appreciate this, that this is a time when, so we have Hugh Jackman. He's, he's pretty jack. He's pretty jacked, man. He's huge. He's huge, man. but I think he's always been huge. He's just gotten a little bit bigger for us. Yeah. But the thing with Kelsey Grammer is he's playing this bees character and they just put him in a bodysuit. Yeah. They're not, it's not, we're not to this point of Marvel where Paul Rudd gets casted and then they're like, okay, this is your shirtless <laughs> scene or Kumail Nanjiani, same thing. Nani Johnny is what you're <laughs> about to say. But it's just, it was really refreshing. Yeah. Well, and that will continue because Nicholas Holt does not get big to play beast. I mean, he's a pretty like, I guess just seeing him in a movie, he looked normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, you Kelsey Grammer kind of has a voice that you'd imagine like on a radio, maybe, right? Absolutely. It, Which I guess in Frasier, he's a radio guy. Yeah, I was I was okay. teeing you up for that. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't imagine me enjoying that show. Well, and he plays high class in the show, so it all yeah. kind of works. Uh, I I think Frasier's a pretty fun show. Actually, the the episodes I've seen have been pretty enjoyable. I will say I've never tried. I've never seen I've never seen a moment of that show in my life. Yeah. Oh baby, I hear the blues are talent, just salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> oh baby, I seem a bit confused. Well, maybe I got you pegged. Okay, let's move on from this. <laughs> oh, but I don't know what to do with those tall salad and scrambled eggs. So he eggs. is working for mutant relations. Stop again. it. Stop. <laughs> bung, Seriously, bung. stop. Good night, everybody. Okay, so he is mutant relations <laughs> and he is in this boardroom with the president and other jabrones, and they find <laughs> out that. <laughs> they, oh, I'm so sick still. They, they uh, find out that Mystique did what? So, Mystique. First of all, this movie's getting kickstarted by Mystique, MVP of the movie. Jordan, yeah. you're a big Mystique head. She, there would be nothing without her. Yeah, she does jumpstart and get the plots going. You are right. Um, she finds out that they are working on a like cure vaccine for the mutants. Mm -hmm. um, and so they are basically, she, she finds out this information, and I believe she finds out who the leech is. That, so she knows that there's a mutant. That they were able to get, like, create the vaccine from. Yeah, because basically there's this little kid 
that when mutants are around him, and the beast even goes to him, mm-hmm. and he reaches out his hand, and when he does, he's turning into like regular human hand, mm-hmm. and he's looking at himself, and it's kind of a good scene where he's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I remember this. This is what I kind of want to become again, and then he becomes the mutant again. And um, so they're like harvesting that somehow and creating vaccines with it. Mm-hmm. Have you read any X-Men runs with a vaccine? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> this was pretty wild premise of a movie. Cause then later based on what we've gone through in our current moment in history. Yeah. Um, cause especially later on when <laughs> people are at vaccine sites and you yeah. have protesters <laughs> yeah, yeah, protesting like no mutant vaccine, no vaccines. And it's, it's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little different. It's yeah. a little different. I, I, yeah, I don't even, yeah, I. That's it. That's all. The allegory it. goes there, but uh, <laughs> I like to keep it to the mutant stuff allegory. Yeah, because I love me that COVID chat. Um, so let's see here. Um, then there's this. There's this great scene where Magneto is talking about, um, mutants feeding on. His wait, I wrote Bangdito talks to mutants feeding on his Jewish history. Oh yes. It's this a weird he, way to word this it. This is when he goes to that like gathering of mutants to talk about yeah. this vaccine and what they're gonna do about it. Yes. And and he's kinda like they're they're kinda like, Who do you even think you are? And he, he's basically like, Hey, I was a Jew during the Holocaust. No, no, no. The the girl comes up to him. Yeah. Which I didn't know that there were classes of mutants, so that was a pause for the movie to for Mike to explain to me what that meant because this girl comes up to him and says, I just used the the clues from the movie to figure that out I guess I just all of a sudden they're talking about class three but but <laughs> but I don't know I don't have a frame of reference of like is that good or are all these people wimps that's well, what they I say know. you're he's class th- yeah what he's class four no oh, I guess they deal. said he's class three but then later they say gene is class five and they've never seen something like that yeah it's it's fine I, it's not a true dig at the movie <laughs> but this woman comes up to him and she has the power she not only is super fast but she can sense people's like i guess classes their yeah. mutant class and so she says what's your number and that's when he flashes her the number that he got at Auschwitz. Well, she says, where's your mark? Because he sees that they all have these tattoos. Oh, And then he goes, right. I have a mark. And he shows her the number he was tattooed with at, at in the Holocaust. In the Holocaust. And he says, and I assure you, I will never let a needle touch my skin again. Good scene. Yeah. And, and you know, he's coming from this, again, like in the other two movies, he's coming from, if we allow this to happen, they will they will do what they did to the Jews in yeah. Nazi Germany. Yeah. Now I don't think that extends to our recent events, <laughs> but yeah. for this movie, yeah, 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 it works and it's good. Um, so we already talked about Jimmy from the FDA. Uh, oh yeah, and so Jimmy from the FDA. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, the leech, Jimmy the leech. Oh, Jimmy the leech. Yeah. Uh, so then Scott uh, is starting to hear. Like Gene's voice. He's going crazy cuckoo time. He's going as the British call nutters. Um, uh, okay. He's cra- yeah, he's, that's funny. He's crazy with grief. Um, so he gets hops on as Harley Davidson, moseys on out to the Alkaline Lake. Wow. Yeah. Looks like somebody paying attention. I read words sometimes in movies. Um, and 
he is looking for Jane. He's continuing to hear her voice. He's going nuts. He shoots his eyes in the water out of just aggression. Yeah. Frustration. And then next thing he knows, she's come out of the water. Yeah. But she seems a little different. Yeah, and she's like, Scott, you know, look. Scott. Scott, <laughs> you know, take off your glasses. I want to see your eyes. I can control it. And he does, and she controls it. And then that is the last time we see Cyclops in this movie. Yeah. They kiss. She. Looks... I mean, that's bad writing, right? Yes. He's a big character yes. to kill off screen and, and have no other scenes it's with him. It's awful. It's awful. I was waiting the whole movie for him to come back. And I do think, like, they don't really give much of a reasoning for her coming back. What do you mean? Like, like I don't know. They're just like, hey, Jean's back. There, there's not really, no, no, like, they, a... They say there's a throwaway line. Okay. I think Professor X, but it's a, all speculation. He says she must have, with her telekinesis, put, like, a, a like water oh, force right. shield that's around right. her to to protect herself. But then it's also, like... And she's just been down there this whole time. Yeah, it, that, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, so that again, that element, I'm giving points to the people who don't like the movie. Yeah, I, it doesn't really work. Also, I this is the only time that I can think of in this movie where this moment where she's like, "I can control it," therefore his eye beams don't kill her. Yeah, there's no other time that she's demonstrating that power again, and yeah. I was just interested to see how she could. You know what? I'm I'm going to take back what I said at the beginning of the episode. This is not a good adaption of Dark Phoenix. Okay. Cuz now that we're exp- now that we're talking about the specifics and I'm not just like watching a fun movie, it's it doesn't really make sense and they w- kind of waste her. I do think that she is the weakest link. Oh. Are you on that one show? It's time for her to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, we do find out that Xavier put up psychic barriers in her brain. Yeah, uh, to prevent the power from overflowing. That was an interesting, uh, I like that ethical or moral quandary. So when they when he met her, he I guess realized her potential and yeah. also that potential for danger, <laughs> and hid that part from herself. And he says that because he did that, her brain made another personality, basically to like be assigned yeah. to those powers that were hidden from her. The Phoenix personality. And Wolverine is like. Uh, should you have done that? Yeah. Which I'm kind of feeling the same way. Yeah. But it is also like, but he is the smartest. But it, it's an interesting gray area. Yeah. It's an interesting gray area. That They also kind of don't pay off. Okay. I guess they kind of do because she kills Xavier. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe even just a line of like, you, you held me back all these years. But she just kind of kills him, you know? I don't think she even says anything to him. Am I misremembering? I'm not. I can't remember either. Okay. Well, then we cut back to the cure, and Angel is going to be the first one to do it because Papa is leader of the team. Yep. And so he gets over there. He's getting strapped in. He he uh he has his wings like taped behind his back, and you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting. This is cool. And then they're about to give him the cure, and he busts out, and he. He like spreads his wings and it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then he flies away. This is kind of the funny thing about this character though. Um, so this this happens. Big, big lot big moment, lots of cur- courage to do that. Yeah. 
breaks free from his chains, metaphorically and literally, bursts through the window and sails on to his happy life, accepting who he is. Yeah. We do not see him again for a long time until after Professor X is dead and he comes meandering into the school and is like, I hear you. I understand you guys help people. And yeah. then that's when Storm's like, we do help people. And then we don't see him again, I think, until he's just soaring through the skies. That actually works for me. It does? <clears throat> yeah, it does. Because... I guess what, in terms of, like, thematic, like, what about that makes sense to keep in the movie? I, I think it just makes sense to show a mutant that is not involved in the fight that chooses to be who they are. Okay, yeah. And then, and then at the end of the movie... It also shows like, oh, this school is going to live on and they are going to help people because we've seen this conflicted character. So he's a symbol of hope. Yeah, so I actually kind of dig that. And I, I kind of dig that he doesn't like join in the battle at the last second. And then there's all these scenes where he like gets introduced to the team and yada, sure. yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, that would suck. Um, I can't believe this is like a finale to a trilogy and this movie was less than, well, less than two hours. One hour and 44 minutes. Let's go. And they pack it in. Yeah. So then Magneto is going to break out Mystique. And this is when they kind of waste Mystique, too. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, it is interesting, though, because I didn't know this was a finale. Yeah. So when this happened, I was so surprised. Yeah. So in a way, I did like this. Yeah. But yeah, so she is being transported probably to some prison um, with a couple other mutants. And I do like the scene of Magneto stopping everything with his powers his magnet powers his magnet powers it looked cool yeah um and then he she she breaks out um they also break out this clone dude who i, I swear auditioned for the role of superman as well uh-huh. and then th- also broke out the juggernaut yes and then um one of the officers shoots mystique the officers like the guards shoots mystique with the cure needles and this is when Magneto finds out, like, oh, they're already weaponizing this? Yeah. This is bad news. And then she turns into her human self, and he's like, see ya, you're not a mutant anymore. You you used to be so beautiful. Yeah. Cold. And then she's done. Ice cold. I think she's in, like, one scene and implying that she... She gave secrets to the government. Yeah. Because she was betrayed. Yeah. In a way, continuing to move the movie forward. <laughs> But um, Magneto and his new crew go to Jean's childhood home. Yeah. Well, okay, by this time, Jean wakes up and stuff. She wakes up, and her and Wolverine have they get it a make-out sesh. Hardcore. This is pretty intense. She rips off the belt with her uh, telekinetic powers, mm-hmm. his belt, and things are going intense. And then he's kind of like, wait a second, Jean, you're being a little nutso. But he's also like... Wow, I'm a Wolverine, <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's he's in a dilemma, but then they don't do it. And she runs away. Yeah. She knocks him out and he she runs away. She runs to her childhood home. Wolverine, Storm, and Professor X go to the home while Magneto's already there. And they all go inside and there's a I think the scene's pretty cool. I like your scene. I thought, especially for two thousand six, it looked great. Yeah. So they're So Gene is like having a mental battle with Charles. Yeah. And it's like raising the house and it's like keeping everybody at bay so they can't help. And then she disintegrates Charles Xavier, Mm -hmm. which is wild. 
Mm-hmm. A, a, a bit unceremonious, if you ask me. Yeah. I, I do think it works for the movie, but it's a little like... I mean, you got to give Charles a pretty epic death, and I don't know if this quite lives up to it. I would, I, yeah, yeah. But I, I think for this series, I think I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. But like if, like, let's say they, we had the X-Men in the MCU, and this was how they chose to kill him off, I would be very disappointed. Because yeah. I'm like, you got this guy, let's get 10 movies with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then have him, like, die in the in this phases Avengers Endgame, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have him really die. And I know, I know Phoenix is like one of the most powerful characters ever, but it, it's just a bit from a macro view. It's a little like, I mean, I guess, I guess they truly had in mind, which, which I guess this is what's kind of unique about this movie. This is, this is two years before Iron Man comes out mm-hmm. and they don't have in mind, let's make an endless franchise. They have in mind, this is the last one. So they are like, let's kill Charles. And this man let's kill Gene. is dying because of what he decided to do with this child when she was a child by locking, uh, like locking up part of her powers in her mind. So like way back then, and he's now like, the, he is uh, experiencing the consequences of that. Yeah. And it literally kills him that choice that he made in, in a way, you know? Yeah. But so that, so I that's guess interesting. I, I'm kind of flip-flopping because on the other hand, it's like there was a time when a superhero movie wasn't like the comic books where you always knew they were going to come back, you know, at some point, if, even if it was just a few years. It, it, but now the movies are like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, I doubt Iron Man will ever come back, but he could. Yeah. You know, if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't have a hit in the next five years, there's probably going to be a movie where... Iron Man comes back, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It is uh, it is kind of refreshing now that we're discussing it, that the movie is like, we're making these big swings, and you might not like it, and a lot of people didn't. And I think that's what that's what I like about it because of what I've where I'm at now, where we're all at now with franchises. Yeah. That looking back on this one, it's like, oh, they did something. Yeah. Um, And then they fight... Wolverine and Juggernaut fight for a little bit. Yep. Great shot of Juggernaut, same shot, throws him through a ceiling in one room, and he comes out the ceiling of another room. Yeah. Down, same shot. That's cool. Uh, they fight for a while, and um, then everybody goes their separate ways. <laughs> that sounds um, so lame. Yeah, well, I couldn't remember any specifics besides that. Well, Gene is with Magneto now, and they're all in the forest. Him and his army are cronies. All, cronies are hiding in the forest. Okay. While at the youngster school, everyone's just trying to pick up the pieces. The dude who started it all is dead, uh-huh. and um, Beast is there, and is they're all kind of like, I think this is all over. Like the school, what it, everything it stands for, it's just over. Yeah, but then that's when we get Angel comes in and asks if this school is still a school, and that's when Storm. Because before this, Professor X told Storm, "You're the one who would take over the school." Right, right. So she does take up the responsibility. Yeah, and is like, "This school's gonna keep going," and everyone's crying and everyone's cheering. And then Bobby takes Kitty ice skating on the fountain. Yep. To which Rogue witnesses this. Which the whole time, as the scene's progressing, you're like, okay, so Rogue's going to witness this, and it'll sow the seeds of jealousy even further. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's a story. What, but what do you want? It's actually kind of a good scene. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It pushes her to make the decision that she's going to get the vaccine. Yeah. Because so rogue. Her power isn't worth what she's missing out on as a human. Right. To her. Yeah. So she goes to do it. Are we at the scene, though, where she's there? Ice talking Man's, to Wolverine. Oh, she's talking to Wolverine. And he, he basically, he's like, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not your dad or anything. But I think if you, you really need to think about what you're about to do before you do it. Yeah. Kind of like if there's any part of you that doubts it, don't do it kind of thing. And then she leaves. And then she leaves. Still terrible accent, bad performance. Not great. But we got two really classically bad directors. So again, Anna Paquin, you're free of any guilt. She's still an Oscar award winning actress. Yeah. So. Uh, and then Stormer's going to take over the school. And then I did write, because I hadn't seen the movie in so long. I was like, I guess Cyclops is really gone. <laughs> because it just seemed odd to me that he hadn't been in the movie for so long but it was like so weird to me that he wasn't killed on screen i know so i guess we wouldn't have believed he was really dead because we couldn't see his eyes huh according to the studio oh we're not smart enough to know that someone is dead because we couldn't see their eyes we can't we can't relate to him or sympathize or empathize with him you're right and here i am just waxing poetic is that a phrase i don't know i don't think it is mean I don't know. Sometimes I just say things like uh, like I'm a billionaire from Glass Onion or something. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then the, the, the U.S. kind of tracks down where Magneto's at. And Wolverine also is going to attack this little base to try and stop Jean. Try to get her back. Get her back, I mean. And he's attacked by someone who I dubbed as Unicorn Poop Thrower. <laughs> because yeah, that guy had a gross ability. He had a gross ability. He, he grows horns out of his arms and then shoots them. And and it is it is very like poopish. It is as a poop vibe. Li- to like, it. couldn't the horns at least have been like purple? Nope. Or something. I don't know. Nope. It looked gross. Yeah, it was a little nasty. So they fight for a while. Does he? Does he make any? connection with Gene at this point? So he finally gets to Gene, and Magneto's there. And well, Magneto subdues him and like doesn't let him get near her, but he does talk to her, right? Yeah. What yeah. Basically, it's probably the classic thing of like, I know the real Jean's in there and the real right. Jean would come back and we all still want her back. Make the right choice, Jean. Yeah. Yeah. And then at this, while this is happening, Rogue is in line to get the vaccine. Iceman is there trying to find her in the crowd of protesters and Pyro is there. Uh-huh, and, at, yeah. and so they, they have a little all, little argument. I, they part, and then Pyro starts a riot. Yes. By exploding the vaccine area, the building. Yeah. Well, put, uh, catching it on fire. It's a war now. And uh, the, the government thinks they tracked down um, uh, Magneto, but alas, it is the multiple man guy who yes. has made a bunch of uh, decoys and it, he says something funny when he turns into himself what is it something like oh what are you looking for me something, something like, like that. that he just has a big smirk on his face and it's like this guy knows what movie he's in and he's having fun and then they go to the golden gate bridge we're already at the end of this movie because it clips along so quickly and uh, magneto moves the bridge from the mainland of san francisco to 
So it goes mainland to Alcatraz, where the vaccine clinic is and where the kid is at. So they can then get the kid and probably kill him, I would imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, they fight the Juggernaut again, uh, and Juggernaut and Kitty fight. Well, they don't fight. She avoids fighting him by running through walls because there's cool. literally nothing she can do to stop him. She puts him in walls and she tries does, to make him the stuck. Ground. I thought that was cool. And then she gets to the kid first and is going to get him out of here. And she tries going through a wall. Doesn't work. But she can't. Because the kid's powers takes away anyone else's powers. Yeah. So they have to figure out a different way to get out. And then the juggernaut gets there. And then she's like, hey, come at me. And then he runs and knocks himself out because his power goes away when he's around that kid. Yeah. Smart move. Yeah. Um, I, I will point out they do the classic trope that I, I really think we got to retire at this point where where a, a male is fighting a female and he goes, he says something and then he ends it with bitch. Because he goes. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. We are in 2006, though. We are in 2006, but he goes, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. And it's like. Okay. Come on. We Freddy's the only one who can call people that. <laughs> Freddy, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Wolverine um kicks a guy in the balls who can grow back limbs and says, Grow back this. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It is, but it, that was a that was a genuine laugh for me. It's 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 <laughs> that that's a bad that moment. Kind of bad too. Yeah, yeah. He's just cutting off his limbs and then he kicks him and he says, Grow, grow And then we this finally back. see the use of Pufferfish Man or Porcupine Man because uh-huh. throughout the movie, who is played by the guy who plays Jaren and Old. I actually don't know the actor's name. Okay. Um Well, yeah, yeah, we discussed this. Throughout but... throughout we not in this not in this podcast. No, I I was acknowledging that you did tell me that and I remember you telling me that, but not on so this podcast. So while this is happening, <laughs> no, no no no, throughout the movie, he will just as a Puff up. threat puff up but we never actually see what he does and then we finally see it as he just hugs someone and becomes a and does the puffer thing and that's it that's a that's a pretty uh disadvantage disadvantage well i don't know it's not a great power no because you got to get really close to someone to use it yeah it's not great not great and then we have something that happens that i think that you'll agree with me but maybe you didn't think of the the x-men team gets the cure, and they shoot it at Magneto, thus depowering him. Yeah. I don't think they should have done that. Why? Because this is a team that believes in mutants, and I think the ethics of the good guys curing, quote-unquote, the mutant bad guy is wrong. Who does it? Who pulls the trigger? Uh, I think they all attempt to do it. Really? Uh, like, I, th- I think Wolverine and uh, Storm... And then Beast. Beast, I think, is the one that actually does it. Hmm. I can't remember for sure, but it seems like it goes against all the things that they believe in. Yeah, I, that's that's very interesting. And so when they, I was just so shocked that it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's a cool development. I wish that they did it another way, or it got to a point where it was like there truly is no other option, and and we see that the hero is like, I'm gonna have to do something that I'm gonna have to live with for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, they're like, oh, here, look, there's three things. Let's all go get them. And then they do it. And they depower Magneto. Yeah. And I I just think that that's, like, uh, against what they all stand for as characters. But Micah, this movie's only an hour and 44 minutes. They simply did not have the time. <laughs> it is funny. 
I do like this movie, and I I would rewatch it over the first movie. But I do think that it fundamentally, story wise, is like just, just yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. I I get why people don't like it now. The more we talk yeah. about it, I just think it's better made than the other two. I think it's better made than the I, first one. I think I like the story better too. But yeah. I do I do love the cure stuff though. I mean, yeah. that's such an interesting concept. I remember when I first watched it, I was just like that's endlessly fascinating. So endlessly fascinating that I never watched it again until <laughs> the other night. But then Gene is like I lose control. And then Wolverine slowly makes his way up there. He's like this disintegrating cool. and regenerating. Yeah, it Very cool. cool. And then he stabs her in the gut. Because it's the only, like you just said, this is the decision he has to live with for the rest of his life. Yeah. That's the only thing he can do to stop her is kill her. Yeah. And I think that is totally earned. Yeah. Um, So did that shock you? No, because I think you told me that that's what has to happen. Oh, yeah. I think you told me not in this movie, just in general, that's a Phoenix thing. Well, I think I did say, because I thought you'd seen this one. I think I did say, like, no, no the next one is the one where he kills her. <laughs> no, yeah, like, I, I knew this was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all good and dandy. Um, and then r- we find out Rogue cured herself. Uh, yes. And so now she can hang out with Bobby. And he says... Um, I never asked you to do this. Yeah, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Magneto playing chess by himself. Mm-hmm. And we have the Inception ending four years early mm-hmm. where a chess piece moves very subtly. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yeah. A, a, a metal chess piece. A metal chess piece. Specific. It is very, very cool. I love that ending. Mm-hmm. And there is a post credit scene, folks, that I did not know yeah. about. Where the, the consciousness of... Charles Xavier has been moved into someone else's body. Okay, but this is what I'm confused by. <laughs> so earlier in this movie, like Act One, he's teaching a class, um, uh-huh. and they're I actually can't remember what they were talking about because I kind of felt like I was talking. Sorry, at this time, um, but he and was kind of talked a lot during this one in the first part, and then I <laughs> then I bit my tongue, um, but. She, no, not she. He was showing this video. That had Moira McTaggart in it, of course. Moira McTaggart, wonderful woman. Yeah. Um, She was like giving a presentation and the background is this guy that's like on life support and he's brain dead. And I just don't understand what the class was about because he actually got cut off and couldn't finish. Well, he did say, so I think maybe you were talking through this part. He did say, now perhaps what would happen if we... Would it be ethical to move someone's consciousness into, say, this man's body? Okay. Who is, like, brain dead or whatever. Okay. And then he got cut off. And then at the end of the post-credits, his, he had been moved. He moved himself into that body. Dang it. Yeah. So the ethics question is, yeah, I guess you can take over somebody's body if well, you're Professor X. <laughs> Do you know um, that the brother from... Um, uh, Get Out is in two th- uh, in X Men First Class. Who does he play? He plays Banshee, of course. Oh, he just yells. He screams, honey. Yeah, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that kind of thing. Um, I think I did know that. Yeah. Um, very. That's whatever. We'll yeah. Get there. So that's the movie, right? Yeah. Not perfect by any means. Far no. from perfect, especially because Nightcrawler's not in it. 
That's capital offense number one. Huge. But I did like this movie. I like it too. I like it too. Uh, I think it's a solid six. Sure. But I would say that X2 is like a solid seven. Hmm. It's a solid seven, but it's a superhero eight. Okay. <laughs> it's a movie seven, but a superhero movie Okay, how eight. many more of these are you going to do? Um, that was it. Uh, so how do you feel about this original trilogy of X-Men movies? Because you've been dreading that we have to cover the X-Men movies. I think I was never dreading these ones. Yeah. I've been dreading the ones I... Well, I haven't seen this third one, but I, I've been dreading these ones that I've never cared to figure out. Yeah. Do you feel, though... But I am more interested in it than going through Fast and Furious, for example. Oh, yeah. Well, these so I'm not, it's have not the some same, personality It's not the them. same type of dread. Right. So my here's another question. Uh, do you feel like the X-Men are, are pretty unique compared to the other superhero characters that you've been uh, no. consuming? No. No, because I just don't understand... This is because I've never read a comic and I don't really know how it works. But how is like, um, how is Spider Man? Well, I know he was bit by a spider, so maybe that's just the answer to all these questions. But like, yeah. how is he not a mutant compared to mutants? Well, mutants are born with it. Okay, maybe they're are, born are, with it. Maybe any... it's mutantine. Maybe it's Maybelline. That's the bit. <laughs> okay. So, in any of these MCU movies, is anyone born with it? Well. That's where it gets complicated. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, because they didn't have the rights to any of the mutants. Okay, but I'm talking comic book wise. Well, I, I'm saying, but Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are both mutants. Okay, that's but, right. But they had to not like acknowledge that in the movies. In the comic books, are they like from whatever Eastern European country they're from? I think so. Okay, Sokovia or whatever that is. I think so, but I, I wouldn't bet money on that. Okay. So I guess I just answered my own question. Yeah. So I guess in a way, yes, they're unique. Uh -huh. I don't know why they need a whole school for it, but also I get it. Yeah. I, I just think, like, I, the, I guess what I'm trying to figure out in my brain is, like, it doesn't make sense that the X-Men live in the same world as the Marvel characters. Yeah, yeah. It's very confusing to me. Yeah, it's it, too big. The world's too big. It's almost it's, if if mutants are, exist in this Marvel world where there are already so many superheroes, how is this just, just not a John Wick world where everyone's an assassin? Well, yes, and that is like the superhero thing. Yeah, and and I I don't I think that that's a really valid complaint with with like this universe and and just comics in general because it is kind of weird that like Spider Man can't be an X Men, but he can be an Avenger, but Angel can be an Avenger if he wants sometimes. And Is you he? know, you know, well, the Avengers are like always well, a constantly yeah. changing yeah, yeah, yeah. roster. That's true. That's true. And some of that stuff is really cool. But yeah. also at the same time, like a uh, former guest of the show, Kevin Hines, always says that his like hot take on Spider Man is he thinks that he would be he's best served when he's in a universe that's occupied by only him. Yeah. And as much as I, I, I actually agree with that, except for the fact that like my favorite movie is Spider Verse of Spider Man movies. You know but what I mean? That's only occupied with other versions of himself. So yeah, but I mean, and there yeah. are great stories where Spider Man, you know, is teaming up or he has to fight Juggernaut or something like that. There are, but it's almost like the 
I, it, I get that. It's almost well, it's like it's, some it, of the limitations. It keeps the world small. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's friendly neighborhood. Yeah. And and there is definitely an argument to be made for like the mutants hit harder if like the whole world thinks that like if but they the don't whole, belong. Yeah, and and there's not like oh there's also Captain America but we like him. No, it's like it's like there's all these mutants and that's the only thing. Yeah, you know? I didn't even think about it on that level, but that's even more confusing. Yeah, and I think the uh, wor- let's not bring him into the MCU. <laughs> well, we I think the it. the worst thing that they could do with the X-Men in the MCU, which I don't think they will do because Kevin Feige is smart, but the worst thing they could do is make them just like straight up basically superheroes and and lose a lot of the depth of the freakness of who they are cuz they part of part of what's interesting about them is like whoa these are freaks amongst us humans mm. and that's where like all the allegories come into mm-hmm. play and stuff and so you know when they adapted Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver they brought them in and they were like hey we have to put them on the Avengers and pretend like they're not mutants so they're superheroes but if they do that with all of the x-men i think that it won't i think they lose something there too yeah they won't be as good as these movies yeah if they do that yeah that's tough stuff i know that's why you do need someone like kevin feige to figure that stuff out (laughs) (laughs) because i don't think i could do right that but i also can't wait for them to be included i half of the fun is like you know who's going to be wolverine in the mcu yeah. Who's going to be Cyclops? Who's, you know? Yeah. Are they going to reuse actors? I don't know. Right. It's exciting. Let's give Daniel Radcliffe a shot. I know. That's what the internet wants. They want Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine. I'm, I'm on board with that. I love it. I absolutely love it. And he's so different looking from Hugh Jackman. I don't think the comparisons would come in. But let's get that Fantastic Four movie out here, though. That's what we need. Uh, Thank you for listening. Yep. Thank you. This month on Patreon, we are covering Knives Out. And uh, so you can listen to that. I'm also going to start something on the first of each month on Patreon. I haven't even talked to you about this, but I'm going to... Unbelievable. We're married. (laughs) I thought of this today, and I think it'd be cool. And I think I'll just make this free to anybody. You can go to Patreon, and I'll write down all the movies I watched that month. And you can do it, too, if you want to. And and maybe highlight some notable ones and say, like, oh, this was really cool or whatever. Because we only talk about franchises, and we watch a lot of other movies besides that. Yeah. And there's a lot more that I would sometimes rather talk about. So I, I think I'll do I a little do blog at the first of the month post that anyone can uh, Access. look at. yeah. And that's patreon.com slash M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W. You can also watch my music video on my YouTube channel for ghost in my house so check that out uh see if my music video is as good as x-men the last stand and let me know in the comments uh what about you jordan well wait month are we in we're in february my birthday's probably happened (laughs) (laughs) i'll check while you're while you're looking other than that i don't have much yet i think i said this last episode there will be more for me artistically uh, artistic news later in the year well, why don't you tell them about? So yeah, it's the tenth of February. So your your birthday's next week. Mm-hmm. No, no, actually, it's in two weeks because of the way it lines up. Uh, why don't you tell them about your blog though? We haven't plugged that in a long I, time. I do have a blog. It's called Recount and Reveal. Recountreveal.com. 
where I uh, write about bizarre historical happenings throughout the world uh, with a major emphasis on folklore. Every once in a while, I'll interview another horror or folklore enthusiast. Doesn't not not super often, mostly about some folklore stuff and how cool folklore is and how it's all throughout the world and many cultures share the same type of folklore, but it's all so different at the same time. It's great stuff. So uh, thanks for listening, and next week it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. You've been originated. (laughs) 